0: boom boom so we don't record that shit <laughs> we ain't, we're not that
1: podcast life uh, <laughs> come on jake it's only your life
0: are you trying to say jesus christ can't hit a curveball
2: where are you going me about 90 feet
1: I do love that that was your favorite dialogue from the movie. <laughs> Welcome to the Brackish Podcast, everyone. We are your hosts, Knock, Cliff. Lynn. Oh, it's going to be such a tasty, tasty treat that we have for you today. <laughs> Lynn and I are in the bru- boost crew, yeah. all right? And uh, Cliff is going to take us home. So uh, Cliff, you reading the story, right?
0: Yeah, just minor sips
1: in between, you know. I got to grease the pipes, so to speak. Minor sips of what? of bourbon oh we are coming to you recorded live right recorded live from esplanade or
0: esplanade i'm gonna give a lot of wrong pronunciations for lynn today
2: i think it depends (laughs) are you singing the song because if you're a new orleans lady
0: that's true then you're
2: walking from bourbon street to esplanade
0: or if you're navigating it's Esplanade. Oh, but navigation any... <laughs> doesn't
2: know how to pronounce anything. Have you heard it try to pronounce Chapatulus?
1: Oh no, to Chapatulus.
2: To Chapatulus.
1: <laughs> Way more tease than needed. Uh, we'll give you some background on us. Let's do that first. Uh, background on us individually. You probably listened to us so uh, for a while now. I am a retired uh, journalist, now teacher. Cliff. I did nothing before this.
2: (laughs) He sat in the back eating crackers. Waiting
1: for a podcast. Waiting for my opportunity.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And I am a former middle school teacher and now culinary teacher in the French Quarter. Where are you at again? I'm at Crescent City Cooks at Charters in Iberville.
1: I was told that we keep saying your Instagram name too fast. Roots and bulbs like a light bulb, no bulb bulbs. like
2: light bulb. see the problem is i was an english teacher and english teachers think that simile and metaphor and symbolism are beautiful what they are are hard to hear pronounce and spell so its roots r o o t s a n d b u l b roots and bulb
1: and it's bulb because of like a onion bulb, vegetable, what do we call yeah. it? Yeah, so
2: okay. like roots as in Louisiana, roots, bulb as in the globe, as in the world, because I'm Louisiana grown globally hungry. Do you hear the oh, English teacher wow. BS in there?
1: Yeah, that is, that is. It's heavy. That's a whole lot of creative writing.
2: It's writing.
1: That's a little good I love writing. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of Louisiana, we're here because of it, right? We are. Yes, Cliff.
0: So, first. One. We were supposed to write jokes.
2: Oh, see, I think but... what we've decided is that Cliff is going to write the jokes from yes.
1: Yeah, which is horseshit.
2: Knox and I can't do it.
1: <laughs> we got a, we got a, another guest. Just wanted to join us. Got off of work, Mrs. Cliff Biffington is yes, here with us. Miss Biff. It's me. You gotta be louder than that. He...
2: <laughs>
1: that was
0: still <laughs> if the you're same volume.
2: Say, it's <laughs> me. Yeah, you um, need to say it very mario style like it's a me
1: yes
0: okay it's me <laughs> so okay we're back to hookers yes so <laughs> a hooker a vampire and a petticoat rebel are walking in the quarter and the rebel says to the vampire hey do you know do you know what they call it when a hooker blows her nose and the vampire's like i don't know and the petticoat rebel's like, it's called a venereal de-sneeze. <laughs>
1: <laughs> You're welcome, thank you. You wrote that itself, that's very good. So very good. That
2: was a good one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a venereal de-sneeze. <da> How <laughs> much time did
1: you spend writing? That
0: took like five seconds, really. And then after that, I tried to think of more and just.
1: I mean, once you peek. I like, most of them are, what did you call? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. What do you call jokes? But it just, it, it also includes the yeah, walking I down the street. It's there good. was
0: another one. It's not that good. It was like the vampire goes up to the hooker and he's like, I've wanted to suck your. Wait, do you have any papers? Are you tested yet? Like, no. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't think it was that. I
1: don't know. That was good. Yeah. that was also good.
0: <laughs> you got papers? <laughs> yeah. Do you have your test results? I don't want any bad blood here.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are you sure or <laughs> HIV positive? <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, so let's begin.
0: All right, the story is called "Who Killed the Chief." Who killed the chief? Who killed the chief? Who
1: killed? Who killed the chief? It's and it's me.
0: so. <laughs> who well, that insulting phrase uh, <laughs> to Italians, everywhere. to Sicilians. Oh my God, it just this phrase was first used during the largest, I believe the largest single mass lynching in U.S. history at the Old Parish Prison in Congo Square, which is on, I believe, Rampart? Rampart. Yes.
2: If you've been to the Louis Armstrong Park, that yes. is the location of Congo Square, where Africans were allowed to buy and sell their own wares on Sundays when they were given the day off under the Code Noir.
0: Yes, Lynn and I are doing this together. <laughs> no, I'm go- No, I'm so glad. See, that's what I need. I need the assist. So we're going to do this in three parts and we'll do part one. So this was also the chief was the chief of New Orleans at the time. This is about him. His name is David Hennessy. For the sake of the first part, we're going to call him Junior because he
1: did have a dad with the same name. So I have to give you early life real quick. So we're talking about police chief, right? We're not police talking chief. about like big chief Indian. No, like police chief. Okay police chief
0: yeah so david Hennessy jr was born in 1858 and his parents had come here to new orleans during the potato famine in the 1840s so we don't know ireland where... yeah all right maybe no. was he potato no famine is i Island. know exactly <laughs> <laughs> so uh during the civil war david's father enlisted in the first i'm telling you this to tell you something later in the First Louisiana Cavalry, Unionist First Louisiana Cavalry, excuse me, under the command of a man named Algernon Sidney Badger. So went through the Civil War like this. After that, his commander Badger became the commander of this Republican Metropolitan Police. It wasn't New Orleans Police Department back then. So once he became that, David's, David Senior, excuse me, was hired to the force and he worked there Till he was gunned down in 1869. So I tell you that. Tell you this, we could do another story on that. On his dad dying. On his dad getting gunned down. So, now we're gonna switch to Junior. I'm just gonna call him David Hennessy because I don't wanna say Junior
1: the whole damn time. A lovely last name.
0: So yeah. So after. Smooth. (laughs) So his dad gets basically gunned down, and he's 11. So at the time, he's like, well, now I wanna do what my dad does. So this at 11. He started as a messenger for the police force, for the Metropolitans, I guess you call them. And he became a detective at the age of 20. So what the hell were you doing at the age of 20?
1: (laughs) I still uh, didn't know exactly what I was gonna do.
2: I was at college at LSU, (laughs) which really just entails drinking? Yes.
0: Which is what we're doing now.
1: A lot of times in Tigerland and a lot of times on Jennifer Jean, if you know what I'm saying. Ooh. Ooh.
0: The person or the street? Nah,
1: Ooh. The street. Is both. <laughs> Ooh.
2: No.
0: You don't name streets after ugly people, though. You
2: don't. <laughs> yeah, but that <laughs> street is ugly. What about Verna Street?
0: Oh, yeah. Ooh. <laughs> she sounds hot. So, around this time in 1880, when he's 20, no, yeah, 22. 1858, 22. Um, The Louisiana Democratic Party basically took down this Reconstruction era of government, which was mainly Republican part of government. So now there's two political factions in New Orleans. There's the regular Democratic ring, which is like this political machine that's got these German and Irish ward bosses, and they've got the police, and they're all this one, and they also got city council, and they're all kind of in cahoots. Uh, You know, money's going every which way. And David Hennessy, I tell you, I tell you this, David Hennessy more than often sided with the reformers. He didn't like the ring side of it, which caused a huge problem in the police force, because you had some guys on the police force who liked the ring portion, who were most likely, I'm not, this is maybe speculation, but most likely getting kickbacks from the docs and all that, getting paid to look elsewhere. And they, they like that lifestyle. And these reformers are coming in and saying, we don't like that stuff. We need, you know, whatever they, we could do another freaking podcast about this stuff. There's so much information on it. One day, Hennessy and his, well, I'll say David Hennessy and his cousin, Mike, they don't like the way things are. Uh, they, they got an informant. They found out this guy was in New Orleans. His name was Giuseppe Esposito. He had a different name, but since David was a messenger growing up and knew people around, he also had his own little informants. And he, one of them came up to him and was like, this dude's in town. And. If you want to take him down, you better go for it. He was
2: an informant for the reformers.
0: For the police, he had okay. he had his little messengers for the police. So like, I don't. It was young kids, little birds. Yeah, oh, like, chirping. They were chirping. <laughs> yeah, little chirpers.
2: That's a call, like, like Game of Thrones. Basically, All like
0: birds. what he was. Okay. He was a little messenger, and he, you know, a little right. kid on the corner that's flipping a coin. You think he's innocent. No, he's watching every movie you make. Okay. okay. So
2: <laughs>
0: they went. And took this guy down without the permission of the chief of detectives, Giuseppe. They took Giuseppe down. David and his cousin Mike, and the chief detective didn't know about it. So they went behind the guy's back, kind of like out of, out of
1: work, you know? Right. Private you, detectives. We all have seen every cop movie. You got to go up the chain of command. Yeah. All right. No, I don't want to do that.
2: So he's the Bruce Willis. He's here now. Yeah. 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 And this Jude, guy, the Jude, chief he's of detectives, the one who's gonna do it. Yeah.
0: The chief of detectives' name was Thomas Devereaux. So, this was the first sort of deal when David Hennessy did this. That got the attention of the Sicilian society. Like, why are you going after this guy? You know, he didn't do anything to you. Because basically, uh, in Italy, this guy Giuseppe was wanted for murder. So, this was an extradition sort of thing. Like, I'll get him, and they extradited him back to Italy. He eventually came back. So like he wanted him hard cops. Like, no, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I'm telling you.
1: I want all criminals out of here. So okay.
0: So yeah. So now this pissed off the chief of detectives because he was a ring guy. He wasn't a reformer. was mm-hmm. so a good old boy, right? He was a good old boy. Okay. Okay. So the chief detective Devereaux said, "You know what? I'm going to bring. Char- I'm going to try to bring charges against you guys for abandoning your post. I don't know what that meant back in the day, but basically, you went out. I didn't give you direction." Now I'm gonna come at you. Well,
2: so against the guys that got just against
0: Mike, against David and Mike, his David
2: guys. Jr. and Mike. Yes. Okay.
0: Okay. So October fourth, I believe this is 1880 or 1881. Um, the board that he went that Devro went to to try to get these guys charged turned things around on Devro, and the reason he did that is because he was heard in the streets talking about how he was, Devro was talking about how he's gonna kill these two because he got drunk. Oh, these two Hennessy boys, they're, you know, pieces of work, I'm gonna, if I had the chance, I'd take them out myself. He was just going around town flaunting this stuff, all right? About eight to nine days later, they met in the street and had a gun battle on, Gra- on Gravier Street. What?
2: which is the American sector? the detective sector. head
0: between camp and St. Charles the
1: detective head in
2: Hennessy Jr. yeah so the spot where this duel takes place is the American sector where shit ain't supposed to go down like that
0: you're supposed mm-hmm. to do shit
2: like that either in the French Quarter that's old and colonial or out in City Park where you go to the dueling oaks and have your Boom. battles there you're right. not supposed to do that you in don't the do polite out, society yet. of the American sector
0: right This is the way I read it, and I want y'all to picture this in your minds, okay? So, the way I read it was Mike Hennessy and David Hennessy were kind of shadowing Devereaux because I think they wanted to take him out before they got taken out.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: So, they knew where he was going to go. They were tailing him. They were tailing him, yes. But it's kind of weird because he's the police chief It wasn't like a suspect. It was uh, their own boss. So... They're on Gravier Street. The cousins see him go into this place called uh, John W. Fairfax. It's a brokerage house. They knew that's where he was gonna go. So they follow him, turn the corner on Gravier Street, and they split up. David goes into a barber shop. Mike, the cousin, acts as if he's going to the same place that Devereaux's at, but he's going to the second floor because the second floor is like this private detective guy that he's gonna meet with, all right? Mm-hmm. So the way that Mike sort of explains it is that as soon as he walked in the door, Devereaux pulls his pistol. He go, sees him going for the gun. So Mike says, pop pop!" starts shooting, misses. Devereaux turns around. Hits Mike twice, once in the mouth and once in the stomach. Oh! David hears the gunshots. He runs out the barbershop. Um, Devereaux comes out of the building, doesn't look either way. He sees Mike in the street, and he's thinking to himself, I got to take this guy out. He's trying to take me out. Doesn't look left or right. So he's pointing this gun at Mike. What he doesn't know is David snuck in behind him. And before he can pull, and before Devro can pull the trigger on Mike, David, boom, gets a foot away and put, shoots him in the back of the head. Jeez. And the and the bullet gets lodged in his forehead, like through the through we, the left through ear, the, and then gets lodged like right clean right. through.
1: Yeah. So he we didn't die. Who? The the head Devereux? detective. Oh yeah, he bled oh, out in the street. He did. Okay, okay. But, he got. Him. But Mike didn't die. He shot in the mouth and Mike did not the die.
2: Wow. Shot in the stomach in the mouth. He yeah. might be a vermin. He might be
0: a vampire. He could. So, in essence, the Hennessys were arrested and they were charged with murder. Because when you shoot somebody in the back of the head, it's not really, it
1: doesn't really look like self-defense. Especially when you're following them. <coughs> George <Zimmer>. Yeah. George <laughs> whoa, whoa, Whoa! Should we hashtag that?
0: <laughs> so, they went to trial but with citizens coming in there on their behalf the the hennessy's excuse me the hennessy's went on trial citizens came on their behalf law enforcement i guess testified for them and then as well as the citizens also saying that hey this guy Devro has been making public threats against these guys so they felt threatened they were not found guilty in 1882 april 27 1882
1: so they used to just do what the fuck they wanted, right? What do
2: you mean used to? <laughs> That's right. true. Like, shut, yeah. shut your they mouth still, with yeah. that. What do you mean so, used to? Yeah. <laughs>
0: so, yeah. So, Mike Kennedy, I'm sorry. Devereaux was killed. Um, Mike Hennessy was severely injured. Um, even though they were acquitted on the, on the murder and the claim of self-defense, uh, he had to quit the force. I guess that was one of the stipulations. Like, you can't work. So, what he did was... He got to this. He went to this place called the Feral Protection Police, which is where Mike was going to go, Wait, quote like, unquote, up feral, to the second floor. Yeah, like private detectives. I don't know. Or as in Will Feral, feral like, last name. F A R R E L. So it was called the Feral, Farrell, so Feral, Farrel sure. Protection Police, and the City Council actually deemed them patrolmen with police powers. Now I don't know what that means. So it's a
2: private agency with in lieu of the legal
0: exactly i don't know um, how you delegate that
2: liberation yeah okay.
0: and also while he was with this force um david Hennessy's most known well one of his he's well known for being the head of security for the world's fair that was in new orleans from 1884 to 1885 yes and with that we'll go to a break damn you
2: that World's Fair wants some shit to this city. Oh my God, I'm so excited to hear about this. So I sold insurance for six weeks. I saw three strip poles in people's houses in six weeks. But like yes. you walked in Ow. and there was just a stripper pole. Yes.
0: Say what you will. Perfect practice makes perfect. And they practice their craft.
2: Apparently, stripper poles are collapsible. What? It seems. We've seen them
1: on the internet fall, right? When they're like sh- doing their stripper moves and then it falls off the ceiling.
2: And yeah, it's not because secure. they're collapsible. And temporary. So it's temporary.
1: like your like shower curtain, right? You got yeah. like. Oh, my. <laughs> that doesn't seem. Strange.
0: Hashtag birthday present. Okay. <laughs> so.
1: Speaking of stripper poles, back to Mr. <laughs> back, Hennessey Jr. Back to
0: David Hennessy. So now we're at part two, which I call Organized Crime and the Murder of the Chief. The murder. So when we ended last time, we said that he was just acquitted of murder, but David Hennessy was told to leave the police force. So while he was away, he started this relationship with the Provenzano family. And for years, Joseph Provenzano had a monopoly on the fruit trade from Central America. Joseph was doing this for a while. In 1886, a rival family became involved. The Matrangas saw how much business Provenzano was getting, how monopoly he had on the fruit company. He's like, I need to get get a piece of that. And the reason he did that Uh, besides that was because he was getting a lot of police pressure because he wasn't doing it, he was doing it tax free. So he's like, well, I can go into this business and try to take some of this from the Provenzano's, which he did because he cut wages and he also underbid them. Obviously, if you say you're cheaper, they're gonna go with you than the guy they gotta pay more for. So that pissed off Provenzano. At that time, this guy, Shacksper was a reformer. He was not a ring. So he got a lot of backing and they, basically defeated the previous mayor. So Shaksper was now the head. Of, he was now the mayor. And what did he do as his first thing a mayor? He promoted Mr. David Hennessy to chief of police.
2: Junior.
1: The dude that. Yeah, David Hennessy.
2: Junior. 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 The
1: guy that shot the head of the detectives in the back of the head. Hashtag New Orleans. In, in the is streets. Is now the chief of police. <laughs> yes. Okay.
2: Sure.
0: So the sure. First, so the first he had this thing called the Shakespeare Plan, which his attempt was to get rid of the old ways of the ring, which was how everyone else collected the revenue. Like Some people get kicked the table stuff. under the table stuff, and guess where he wanted it to go? He wanted it to flow directly to his Pockets. office. <laughs> so he placed David in charge of collecting those taxes. This pisses off all the ringers, which includes the Matrangas, who had that whole deal with the wharves bringing in the fruits and all that. So the money's being taken out of that part and now given to the mayor. May 6th, 1890, seven of Matrenga's men, including Matrenga's brother, Tony, they're horsing down, Esplanade Street, and we are on Avenue right now, but back in the 1890s it was just called Esplanade Street, according to maps that i 've seen as the wagon reached a, the tree line intersection of Esplanade and Claiborne, which is now Esplanade Claiborne and I ten, which is a, you know, above overpass, gunshots rang out, and three guys got wounded of Matrenga's men and Charles Matrenga's brother lost a leg in the ambush, so he got didn't he didn't lose it He didn't get shot off. He got shot, but and so eventually Matringa lost is his leg. This
2: part of the ring, right? Yes. Yes. Against the reformers. Yes. Who want to keep things above yes. board? Oh, yes. Yes.
0: So now you've got Chief David Hennessy, Jr. Jr. He's like, I got to get these guys together. So he got the Provenzanos, who he assumed shots fired at the Matrengas because they took his business or most of it, whatever. He got them together and said, hey, let's have a little drink. Let's calm down. Let's try to make this stuff work out. And apparently they drank, they shook hands. Peace was restored that night. Um, however, Matrenga had a guy named Joseph Macheka. Macheka, I don't know. Macheka sounds better. He was kind of like, uh Matranga's right-hand man like the, the like he held all the money all that stuff so um he basically didn't like that interaction he said you know the chief came in he did all this stuff he made us kumbaya and i don't i don't trust him because he got in good with the provenzanos to begin with so he may just be doing this for his benefit and not for our benefit So Macheca starts warning, he starts telling people around the city, like, I don't trust this guy, whatever. And it gets back to Hennessy. Tempers are rising. Yeah. Just, it's not a good deal. Like things are going to happen. Just, you don't know when it's going to happen. So David Hennessy was very relieved one day when the Matrangas finally came to him and said, Hey, look, we're going to deal with the law on this. He, my guys were the ones out there who got shot at. They can identify the ones who shot at them. You know, we're gonna, we're not gonna settle this the old way. We're gonna settle this with the law. Bring him to jail. Bring him to trial. Whatever. Reformer way. Reformer way. Yes. When this happened, the Provenzanos were pissed off because now they're the ones under attack. They're the ones who have. They're gonna get charged with shooting. I guess. At that time, I don't know if attempted murder wasn't a or a second degree murder was a charge, but that would be the charge for this. So, there was a private detective named Dominic O'Malley that the Provenzano sided with because they were like, "We're going to get this guy to basically help us out on our end." I don't know if he's was the if he was the defense sort of for them or defense witness, but he's brought into the picture. And the only reason I bring him up is because. Hennessy had trouble with this guy in the past. Um, and he had so much trouble with him with him doing stuff on his own that he basically sent, I guess, messages out and tried to figure out who this guy was, why is he in New Orleans, and... O'Malley. O'Malley. In August of 1890, the Provenzanos were convicted on the attack of the Matranga. So I assume there was a trial. There was no really story about it, but... But a number of O'Malley's friends, qu- quotes, they said that, oh no, the uh, Provenzanos were just hanging out on Royal Street at the time of that shooting. They weren't at Claiborne and Esplanade. No. So when they said that, this resulted in a, they re, this resulted in granting a new trial, Ooh. which was scheduled to begin October twenty second of eighteen ninety. After they got that word, so now David Hennessy Jr. is pissed because they got a new trial. So he said, "I'm going to come forward with evidence that I have gathered against the Matrangas and the Ma- and Macheka, Joseph Macheka, and would also make public record of who this Dominic O'Malley is." Mm. So when he said that. Naturally, here comes the, hey, how about I give you a couple bones over here to shut your mouth? You know, don't don't bring in his stuff. You know, we're trying to, you know, not, you don't take us all down. Just give us a little money. Mm-hmm. Or we'll give you money. Sorry. So after all that, obviously the chief didn't budge.
1: Right. Wasn't his style.
0: Wasn't his style, then. He wanted to take you down.
1: He didn't take money. he take people down.
0: Yeah. Right. He takes you to the jail. Yeah. So a week before the new trial was scheduled to begin, which was October 22nd, 1890, that was the new trial was supposed to begin, Chief Hennessy was murdered.
2: Who killed a chief?
0: <laughs> exactly. Of October 15th, 1890, a group of unknown assailants wielding shotguns took him down, took Hennessy down as he headed down Basin Street to his Girard Street home.
1: Ooh. Sure. so in the street they killed
0: him in the street wow. he returned fire but he failed to strike any of the attackers and the chief of police collapsed in the street when his neighbors heard the gunfire they came out to aid him when they asked him who did this to him he said the day goes. Oh. and hennessy died the next day so i'll read you a couple of things from the newspaper the morning of the 15th of October, after he passed, it says, Daily Picayune, Superintendent Police David Ennesee, victim of vendetta, ambuscaded at his doorstep and six bullets shot into his body, one of which was pronounced fatal. The murderers declared to be Italians of the criminal class. The chief removed to Charity Hospital in an ambulance where he visited by the- where he was visited by the mayor And his aged mother, a number of suspects promptly placed under arrest. And the wounded chief at three o'clock this morning was resting easily.
2: Resting easily mean death? Yes.
0: I I believe so. So So quoting the Daily Picking of October 16th, Captain O'Connor's statement, he said, I bent over the chief and I said to him, Who gave it to you, Dave? And Dave said, Put your ear down here because Dave didn't want to say it loud. And he says, As and Chief or Captain O'Connor, excuse me, says, As I bent down, he whispered me the word Dagos. Mm. Lynn, would you please describe to us what that means? So
2: the term Dago refers to Italians or Sicilians who immigrated into America. Most of them arrived under mafia uh, suspicion. And most of them were offered day wages, meaning you got paid at the end of the day or you got paid as the day goes. So the term eventually came to refer to Italians or Sicilians who are not to be trusted more than a day. So you got paid as the day goes.
0: Thank you. 38 arrests were made. 38? They were recorded that day,
2: yes. For one shooting. For
0: one shooting. Of a shooting police chief. Because of the eyewitness accounts, and I'll give you those.
2: Eight people were arrested for one shooting.
0: Among them were the last names Scafetti, Bagnetto, Monasterio, Natali, and Incardano. Surprise,
2: surprise, all Sicilian, Italian.
0: So from the times in the crowd on October 17th, 1890, there's a state witness, Mr. M.L. Peeler. Who resides at 171 Girard Street at the corner of Basin. Now, I will tell you this, I looked at it today. It is now the 900 block of uh, Girard. So I don't know how they did addresses back then, but it doesn't correlate.
2: That still sounds like an American name. Yeah. Not.
0: So 171 is near the convention center, not Basin. Oh, wow. Yeah. So So I don't know how they did it back then. Who was in the room? I said, Give me my shotgun, though I knew there was no weapon in the house. So he's yelling at this guy, like, give me my shotgun to his wife. Just He knows he doesn't have a gun, just trying to scare the guy off. Oh. So the man in the street looked up again, sticking his gun in his coat, and he walked to the sidewalk under my gallery and proceeded at a brisk pace towards Julia Street. When he reached the bridge about 200 feet from Gerard Street, he broke and ran and I lost sight of him. The man wore an oilcloth coat and his hat was drawn over his eyes. The police were on the scene, but not one of them would go down Basin Street in the direction which I had pointed the police then found a shotgun on Franklin. The other gun was found on Basin near Julia Street, which is a block away down Basin, where, it, or a block away from Gerard, where it had been thrown away in the oil cloth coat. I went to police and was present when the oil cloth coat was found in Scafetti's house, who was one of the ones who was charged, on, I think this, for Lynn, this is uh, Dry 80 Street.
2: Dry, dry, fuck.
0: It's it's dryades near Girod. Uh, dryades,
2: dryades.
0: <laughs> where it had been hidden behind two empty barrels. The coat was wet when found, and Scafetti's uncle said that his nephew had left the house at 10.30 p.m. that night with the coat. I identified the man as one who did the shooting from Basin Street and made the affidavit against him. So he saw this guy. He... He was like, that's the guy who did, or that's one of the guys who I saw. In
2: Actually saw it, or like quotations. From his
0: balcony. It. There's another eyewitness account. Her name's Rosa Walton. She lived in the back of the place. So there was, I guess there was, I guess a shotgun sort of deal. Monasterio rented this place in front that faced Gerard Street. And he got this place from Macheca. So Macheca rented this place for Monasterio for his, uh, I believe it's his shoe business. Yeah, he was a shoemaker. Mrs. Rosa Walton lived in the back part of that shack, in the back of the house. So she says, I reside in the rear of 270 Gerard Street from which the firing took place. The front room, room is occupied by an Italian shoemaker, Monasterio, who is now under arrest. Since last Saturday, I've noticed two strange Italian visitors. They always came at night. They would talk and drink. And when I went out two or three times to get beer, she, and she used to go get beer for them. So I guess she would they would talk that she would hang out with them and they would be like, hey, why don't you go get beer for us? She said the men were there last night when I went to bed. And in the alleyway, I noticed a small short guns in the hand, a small short gun, excuse me, in the hand of Peter Monasterio, who was sitting in the room with his companions. And she said, I've never seen a gun before of that kind. So she's now identified one of the guns involved, and she lived in the back of the shack, and she knows the people who were in the front. So from that came the arrest of Antonio Matrenga, who was a part of that shooting who lost his leg, Salvador Rocco, Vincent Caruso, Salvador Sanseri, Charles Traina, and John Caruso.
1: You telling me Tremenka pirated, like went like old, like peg-legging? Matranga. Yeah. Matranga went Peglegging. legging. Oh yeah. And killing the chief? Yeah. Oh, you kidding. One leg. Don't believe it.
0: You gotta persevere. So they also they also got they wanted they arrested those guys, but they ordered the arrest of Joseph Macheca and Frank Romero and Charles Patorno, and they didn't uh find them until they basically, I guess they heard that they were going to get arrested, and they volunteer, voluntarily came into the police department. So at this point, Mayor Shakespeare was outraged, and he called on a, quote, unquote, Committee of 50 to address this crisis about the, the chief's assassination and what and all the events that happened before it. So he basically like a, a meditated murder. He was pissed Ooh. off about it. Um, The newspapers were writing articles about it, uh, I guess editorials and all this stuff. So all the the city knew about it and the police began rounding up Italians, anyone who was involved with the Matrangas and the Provenzanas. In total, the police uh, arrested 19 men. Well, at the end of the day, the ones who stayed, 19 men, all of who were Italian. So a special session of the city council was called on October 19th and Shakespeare delivered this message, which it turns out probably wasn't a good idea, but he said the circumstances of the cowardly deed, cowardly deed, the arrest made and the evidence collected by the police department show beyond a doubt that he chief Hennessy was the victim of Sicilian vengeance wreaked upon as representative of the law and order in this community because he was seeking by the power of our American law to break up the fierce vendettas that have so often stained our streets with blood. We owe it to ourselves and to everything that we hold sacred in this life to see that this blow is the last. We must teach these people a lesson that they will remember for all time. It is clear to me that the wretches who committed this foul deed are the mere hirelings and instruments of other higher up and more powerful than they. The people look to you to take the initiative in this matter. Act, act promptly without fear or favor. So Shakespeare pretty much is telling, what I read is telling the citizens of New Orleans to take action.
1: To kill these sons
0: yeah. of bitches. And with that.
2: Wait, but is He is. It's yeah. Literally. I mean. Is this is like immigrant-based fear, right.
0: and, and with see, that and, like, concludes part two. Sorry. It concludes part two. <laughs> Other
1: Like, what if, like, is
2: that when they like put the ping pongs in and shoot them out? <laughs> yeah.
0: Or, what? like, what if you were in the front row and, and she just sneezed on you? Oh. Like, Give me that dollar and then
2: sneezed oh. through
0: her outer butt. Out butt. No,
2: <laughs> obviously, out of her nose holes. <laughs> she sneezed out of her butt.
1: <laughs>
0: Hashtag butt sneeze. I
1: think they just call that a fart, right? Do they? <laughs>
0: okay, all right. Here we go. We got a. We're at part three, the trial and the lynching. So the Provenzanos have been in prison since April. Members of the Provenzanos were eager to talk, and they testified that they were paid ten to fifteen dollars for a murder and done away with if they refused. They also were supporting Chief Hennessy's assertion that Antonio Matrango was the head of the mafia in New Orleans and Rocco Juraci was one of his chief henchmen. So from the Daily Picayune on February 28, 1891, when the when it was finally going to trial, a total of 1150 people were summoned, 780 of them were examined before they could get an actual jury. I assume 12.
2: <laughs>
0: so when they finally assembled everyone, the jury, like whatever was presented to the jury was just, everyone who wanted justice in New Orleans, it it failed. Um, this guy, the foreman, he headed a group of composed people who were, composed of poor young clerks and laborers. That's basically what the jury was. And with that, of course, when you got poor young people, guess what anyone can do? They can bribe the shit out of them. At the close of the case for the prosecution, 57 witnesses have been examined in the last 4 days as a result of the evidence Antonio Scafetti, Antonio Marchesi, Manuel Polizzi, Pietro Monasterio and Antonio Bagnetto were identified as, were identified as the parties who did the shooting on Chief Hennessy. And a man named Bastian cardano was identified at being on the street at 10:30 but They couldn't really put anything against him because he didn't have a weapon in his hand. On March 13th, 1891, the jury brought in its verdict, a mistrial to the three accused of murder, and all the 16 others were acquitted.
1: So those 16 didn't do anything, the three we don't really know uh, we're acquitted because the
0: jury said, no, we don't have enough evidence to do anything. So now everyone in New Orleans is panicking because now it's only soon enough to where you're acquitted or there's a mistrial. You're going to be back on the streets. So they're just like, what's going on? So Shakespeare's committee of 50 called for a mass meeting of the people. So this was headed up by three prominent attorneys at the time who were a part of the Reformers, reformer elites, John Wycliffe, Walter Denegri. I'm just Denigri. messing with. Denigri. It. Denigri. I just love messing with Lynn. And William Parkerson. They gave speeches. And all these guys had close ties to Shakespeare. And here's some of the excerpts of this speech. Affairs have reached such a crisis that men living in an organized and civilized community folding their laws fruitless and effective are forced to protect themselves. When the courts fail, the people must act. The time has come for the people of New Orleans to say whether they are going to stand these outrages by organized bands of assassins for the people to say whether they shall permit it to continue. I ask you to consider this fairly. Are you going to let it continue? And the voices in the crowd said, no, no. Bring on the dagos. And he said, Will every man here follow me and see the murder of D.C. Hennessy vindicated? And the crowd said, Yes, yes, on to the parish, which was the parish prison. The other part of the speech said, Are there enough men here to set aside the verdict of that infamous jury, every one of whom is a perjurer perjurer and a scoundrel? And the crowd said, Yes, on to the prison and hang the murderers. So soon, and I read this differently, one said 6,000 people, the other said 8,000 people. So I'm gonna say six to 8,000. They were on Canal Street, filling what's between, I guess, the Canal Street right of way up to the buildings from Royal, Burgundy, Rampart, all there. And they took that all the way to Congo Square, which is right by the old parish prison so while they were there they basically ran up on the prison and the prison guards had had nothing they didn't they know what to do six thousand
1: people yeah and you so, got one gun yeah
0: and so mingling and the, the, every there were the crowd noises and all that and all of a sudden you started hearing who killed a chief who killed a chief they started chanting it they started shouting it and when the sounds died out the entire crowd made a rush for the front of the prison and they had police in front of the prison but they were kind of like fudge this there's people rushing us we got to get out of here like they they had people with axes they had people with guns they were like we need to get out of it we couldn't do anything so what they did was they just went for the front gate of the prison and took it over and they basically surround they got in the gates and surrounded the entire parish prison so what happened was inside the prison there were guards and the guards were telling, they assumed that they were coming for these guys because they heard all the chants. So they were telling these guys, go to the second floor. They moved some of these guys to the women part of the prison. Or I, don't have, I don't know if it was a certain section of it or whatever, but they moved to that side and um, <clears throat> he ordered all the other prisoners to be locked in their cells. So it was just, every other prisoner get locked in your cells. These other 19, like you got to go what? somewhere yeah there's a third floor thing we got going on there's the women's side we're not you know we know they're after you so you gotta i mean so they're trying to just protect everyone else through the end take your asses
1: to the Kona. Yeah. right
0: so the majority of them were taken to the women's side like i said and together they were in this courtyard and while they were in the courtyard the crowd came in and there was i think there were six or seven of them in the courtyard and they were trying to get away obviously they couldn't and they were gunned down right Mm -hmm. there people shot them in it
1: so some of the 16
0: some of the 19 19 19. yeah six uh, six or seven of the 19 were gunned down right there Macheka, Scafetti, and, the, and this older guy, Marchesi hurried up. They went to the third floor. All the cells were locked, and they were trapped. So they couldn't get out. And after gunshots rang out, um, they were all
1: dead. The worst place to fucking
0: You basically eye. got caught in a corner. <laughs> you yeah. got caught. You went upstairs. You went upstairs. M- you, and
1: literally. Done, and like every jail cell was like, no, can't okay, help you, bro.
0: Yeah.
2: No, no, no. You Kevin McAllistered yourself.
1: Yeah.
0: So one You're guy-
2: You're up or out. Kevin that's McAllister. it, Kevin that's Sal- it.
0: <laughs> you home alone
1: it? You are <laughs>
2: up or out. He did in that number two
1: uh, movie. Oh. Uh, he just kept going up and up and up. Uh, in one, he but went up, par- up, parachute. up, he did. and out. Yeah, he did go like through the shoe, right? How did he get back right. down? Be
0: okay, here we go. <laughs> we should leave it at that. So the crowd wasn't satisfied with it.
1: Of course this. not, I didn't see those guys get shot. Good.
0: So they were like, We know there's more. We took down 10, we took down three upstairs. Where's the other, where's the other nine? Nine to 10 at. So, the crowd basically kept looking. And some of the guys hid, Uh, some of the guys escaped. And even towards the evening, they were still searching for him in the jail. A lot of the crowd had dissipated. And from there, they found Charles Matrenga, who was the head. And Charles Patorno, who basically tried to hide himself underneath a mattress. I don't know how that worked out.
2: Like money? It's like, oh, I don't know like where to. Money. They can't
0: see me. Um, Dominic O'Malley. $1,000 o-
2: yeah. of your grandma's savings that yeah. i under a mattress. Yeah. Ignore me. Um,
0: the private detective, Dominic O'Malley, was never found. And it was later discovered that he escaped to the plantation of a relative. So he got out, and one of the foremen, uh, who was basically accused of bribery, he made an escape as well. So they were after one of the, the, the guy who headed up the, you know, he basically said the jury selection. So, um, the, the jury decision, excuse me. So despite all of this, Charles Matrenga and Bastiano and Cardana were unharmed, and everyone knew. That they were the ringleaders of the mafia and so that's why people are wondering why why did they survive you know this whole mass deal and you didn't go after the head of the snake and the crazy thing is is that after this matranga this is 1891 he was in power of the new orleans underworld till the 1920s till he died
1: to the black hand right to the
0: black hand until yes. Silvadala Sam Corolla took
1: over. Yes, Silva Silvadala no. Sam.
0: So, from the Daily Picayune, Rome, Italy, March fifteenth, eighteen ninety-one, the Italian government the daily is Italy? no. It's from the it's, Picayune. Okay. They they found out that Italy's pissed No because shit. No they figured out they shit. saw all these Americans took out eleven of nineteen. Italian immigrants. Right, it was the
2: largest mass
0: lynching. Yeah, word spread fast. So later, because you can't really do anything now, but money talks. uh, The U.S. paid Italy twenty-five thousand dollars in eighteen ninety-one, (laughs) and and everything was restored.
2: To make it go away? Yeah. Uh,
0: Everything diplomacy was restored. Oh. So. What sucks, what happened was terrible, but the goal to take down this democratic ring and intimidate, and to intimidate Sicilian immigrants didn't work. The same sort of policies rebounded in 1896, and New Orleans, who were of Italian, Italian descent, assumed their parts in society. Okay. So the, the anti-Italian insult. Who killed a chief? has lived on in New Orleans for decades. It's not so prevalent now, but I'm glad I read about it and learned about it. But to this day, no one has proven who killed Chief. It's kind of like when they set up a suicide squad of like 10 guys uh, for an execution style and they shoot and you don't know who what does it. hit him. They have no idea. Yeah. And I think they wanted it that way so they can get off.
1: That's a good not sexually. That's a good way to do it. So, uh, also, what we've learned is if you want to survive in New Orleans culture, don't be the henchman, be the head of the snake. Yeah, right? be the leader. Be yeah. the freaking head. Uh, what were the names again? The guys' names? The two guys' names? They were like, Just obviously. Charles Matranga. Uh-huh. is what you need to know. Charles Matranga.
0: And in Cardano. Before we get out of here, I want to give a shout out to the Louisiana Public Broadcasting System because they have about a nine minute video that goes over this. Oh, nice. But uh, obviously it wasn't, it was just it you. points. It was the points. Yeah. It didn't go into the background stuff, but it's good. And also there's a book called Who Killed a Chief? So if you want more details, go for that. There's an HBO movie that they made in 1999 called Vendetta, starring none other than Christopher Walken. I believe he is the chief in this in the movie. I don't know, I didn't look into it that much. I'm sorry. I don't get paid to do this, so I just get I look up certain things and don't find anything. So anyway, thank y'all for listening. We are the brackish podcast, Instagram, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Some Radio.com.
2: Here's what I'm going to say about Italian and Sicilian culture in New Orleans, is that it's still lingers. You better watch your mouth, girl. <laughs> Though many people associate us with French culture, past the French, there's Sicilian-Italian that has lingered much longer than French culture. And if you want to see that, you come past Mardi Gras. The Italian parade the Irish Parade, the Italian-Irish Parade, the Irish-Italian Parade, and the Italian-Irish-Isolanos Parade. The Italian-Italian-Irish-Irish Parade. These specific cultures that have lingered so long in our culture, so maligned by the American and British culture that came in in 1803. These cultures withstand the test of time. They party past Mardi Gras when we're supposed to be in Lent and like, so sorry, apologetic to God for all the sinning we did during Mardi Gras. But you be like, rev it up.